Amen. All righty. Well, how many guys besides John over there? Hi, John. How you doing? I'm trying to make work for last week. But uh, how many guys besides John would realize that we live in a seriously skeptical society today? Have you noticed that? Seems like everybody's always questioning something. Something is that true? How do you know? And yeah, prove it to me and all that stuff, right? Well, for those of you who still apparently sleeping or whatever, I'm here to help you out. I've been keeping a list. That's right, John. Some things that people are they're kind of wondering about. Is this really true? Okay, let's take a look and see what they have come up with. All right, is this really true? Let's take a look at these things here. Number one, is it true that a blonde nurse carries around a red magic marker just in case she has to draw blood? Thank you, John. I needed every ounce of laughter on that one. Hey, is it true that the easiest job in the world has to be a coroner? I mean, surgery on dead people. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen? If everything went wrong, maybe you get a pulse, right? Could be true. Thank you very much. Hey, is it true that if someone says, I know what I mean, but I just can't put it into words, they really mean they don't know what they mean? I mean, you can get that one? You know that one's true. Uh, is it true that if you are on a plane going the speed of sound and you walk from the back of the plane to the front, you'd be walking faster than the speed of sound? Mario, thank you. You got that one. I wondered that myself. Hey, is it true that the definition of mixed emotions is when you see your mother-in-law backing off a cliff in your brand new car? Okay. Let's move on uh, to the next one. Hey, is it true that a bicycle can't stand on its own because it's too tired? I had to throw in an easy one for you, right? I had you, I thought, okay, at least everybody gets that one. All right, hey, is it true that a science graduate asks the question, why does it work? The engineering graduate asks, how does it work? The accounting graduate asks, how much does it cost? And the liberal arts graduate asks, would you like fries with that? Okay. That could be very well true. Hey, is it true that nobody knows how many men it takes to change the toilet paper roll because it's never been done? Okay, ladies, that's your time to shine. Hello, I'm here for you. All right, let's move on. Hey, is it true that the reason why seagulls fly over the sea is because if they flew over the bay, they'd be bagels? Right? And that's not cream cheese. Let's just move on. All right, hey, is it true if you love something, you should set it free? And if it comes back to you, it was and always will be yours. And if it never returns, it was never yours to begin with, right? But... However, if it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, never appears to have noticed that you actually set it free in the first place, you either married it or you gave birth to it. You know what I'm saying? Okay. That very well could be true, but uh, I'm not going to ask if that last one was true. I think it's self-evident, but anyway, that's right. But uh, how many guys would say there are people today that just wonder about stuff? They always question stuff. Is that true? How do you know? Whatever. Okay. And folks, this morning, I hope there's one thing you never question, nor wonder is true, and that's this statement from God in the Bible. Uh, he judges planet once, he's going to judge it again real soon, and you better get saved before it's too late. Okay, I hope you never question that, and the reason why is because the Bible is clear. You are running the risk of being left behind, and you will be catapulted into the seven-year tribulation, and that is not a joke. It is an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be the worst time in the history of mankind. Never to be repeated again. And that unless God shortened that time frame, limited it to just seven years, the entire human race gone, be destroyed, okay? But praise God, God's not just a God of wrath. He's a God of love as well. And because he loves you and I, he gives us so many warning signs to let us know when it's getting close. Anybody glad about that? Hello, so we don't get caught off guard. So in order to keep you and I here at Sunrise from experiencing the ultimate bad day of being left behind, even worse than giving birth to something, and apparently it never leaves the house, uh, we're going to continue in our study, the final countdown update. Now, how many guys every week wait for that? Ready? Woo! You like that? You like that? You don't have any idea how long it took me to figure that out the first time. I like it. But anyway, so far we've already seen uh, several updates. The first eight so far, the final countdown say the Jewish people, the Antichrist, modern technology, worldwide people, 
the rise of falsehood, the rise of wickedness, the rise of apostasy, and last time if you were here, the rise of a one-world religion. Now, what we clearly saw is that the Bible clearly tells us that when you see all the world's religions on the planet coming together as one, which is happening right now today, okay, including the elimination of those who won't go along with the program. And that's what we saw is already starting to happen today as well, okay, that the Antichrist is going to use some excuses to start getting rid of Christians, specifically followers of Jesus Christ, away and out of the way for this one world religion. Now, we saw last week, if you were here, one of the excuses is the homosexual movement. And that has become the ultimate excuse to have a hate crime issue, where now, if you disagree on this moral issue, okay, you are being labeled as a hater, and you're committing a hate crime, and you're guilty of hate speech. Listen, it's one thing to just disagree or even say that, but now what's coming with that label is you need to not just be fined, you need to be jailed and taken away. Even here in America. Why? Because this is their tactic. I believe the Antichrist tactic. you got a problem. What are you going to do with the resistors? The people who won't go along with your own religion. You have to find some excuse to start hauling them away. This is one of the excuses. And what they're doing is they're replacing the true you and I evangelical Christian with the fake phony Christians who will go along with this and the one world religion. The old switcheroo. We are being replaced and eradicated true Christianity at the same time. But that's not all. The second excuse, I believe the Antichrist is using to get rid of any and all dissenters who will not go along with this last day's one world religion is what's called the ecumenical movement. Last week we saw the moral issue, the homosexual issue. This week it's the spiritual issue, the ecumenical movement. Now, ecumenicalism basically is kind of the uh, popular phrase today, pluralism, or in other words, all paths lead to heaven, right? I mean, you guys heard that. Yeah, that's kind of the ecumenical mindset. Now, ecumenicalism is defined as the organized attempt to bring about the cooperation of the unity of all believers. Doesn't that sound great? And see, that's a seduction, right? And the Bible does talk about, as Christians, all believers, that there should be great unity, right? But see, this is not what they're telling you, folks. What they mean by all believers is anybody. I mean anybody, even outside of Christ, even whether they're not Christians or not, no matter what they believe, even if they don't even believe in Jesus Christ, that's their version of all believers need to come together as one. Okay? And so their unity in this ecumenical movement is not being based on truth, biblical truth, i.e. the Bible, but from a watered-down version of it, trying to squeeze it all in together, okay? But the Bible clearly tells you and I, the true evangelical born-again Christian, we are not to join hands with somebody who is preaching a watered-down version of God's truth. Why? Because it's called a lie, and God doesn't lie. And we're supposed to be ambassadors of Jesus Christ, getting his truth out there. The truth shall set you free, not a lie. And so God has specific instructions of how are you supposed to treat the people around you who are preaching a different way to heaven. Okay, and let's get reminded with that. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is our opening text. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. If you find 1 Corinthians, what do you do? Yeah, I remember, do something, you'll get there. That's right. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and as we take a look at the context there, and uh, if it'll help you, it's on page uh, 1021 of my Bible. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 through 17. Now, the reason why we need to understand this, as you turn there, and buying you some time, helping you out, uh, as is, thank you, you're welcome, Joey. I'm here for you. Okay, is, uh, as we saw last week, the church is sliding on the issue when it deals with sexually immoral people who profess to be Christians. How are we supposed to treat those? We're not advocating violence or hate or any of that stuff, but how are you supposed to treat them? 
And so we need to remind ourselves as the church how we're supposed to respond to that situation. That was last week. The same thing when it comes to this ecumenical movement. We need to remind ourselves as Christians how we're supposed to respond to those who are preaching a lie, who are preaching the wrong way to heaven. Now, of course, we witness to them, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're talking about coming together in unity. I didn't say it, God did. Now, that's the context. Let's read what Paul says to you and I. He says, first of all, do not be what? Yoked together with unbelievers. Of course, we witness to them, but yoked, whole different concept going on here. And a lot of us use this passage when we're talking about people who are getting married as Christians. You don't want to marry a non-Christian. This oil and water doesn't mix. And that is applicable to this passage. But he's just talking in general, okay, primarily. Don't be unequally, don't be yoked with unbelievers. Why? Here's the rationale. Because what in the world does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? Hey, listen, we are the temple of God. Okay, of the living God. As God said, I will live with them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. We're his people. So we are to emulate him as his temple, right? And what he says, etc. And he says there, therefore, come out from them. Who's them? The unbeliever and be ye what? Separate says who? The Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And what's God say? I will receive you. Okay, so according to our text, the Bible says when it comes to unbelievers, i.e. non-Christians, what is the appropriate Christian response? Yes, of course, we hang out with them for the purposes of witnessing to them, right? Of course. I mean, that would be contradictory to a lot of the scripture. We're supposed to go out into all the world and share the gospel, right? So of course we hang out with them, okay? And we love them enough to tell them the truth that listen. Your road is the wrong road. There's only one right way. It's only through Jesus Christ. Why? Because we love them. We don't want them to go on the wrong road. Because where does the wrong road lead to? Hell, okay? How many guys, if you were on a wrong road that was headed to eternal damnation called hell, that you wish they would at least say something? So this is not a hateful thing that we do. This is the greatest act of love we could do. Okay, now let's remind ourselves, I'm not the one saying this. Jesus is. Who is saying that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Therefore, all other ways are wrong and lead to hell. I didn't say it, Jesus did. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. Notice not a way that you can pick or a truth, whatever you want to believe. It doesn't matter. They all end up in the same place. No, or the life. It's not a life. It's the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Who's that? Jesus. So yes, we hang out with the lost, with the unbeliever. Yes, we love them enough to tell them the truth that what you believe is wrong and there's eternal horrible consequences. You need to turn to Jesus and go to heaven. He's the only way. But Paul says here, but there's, there's a difference here. The last thing, it's one thing to witness, but the last thing you and I as Christians would ever want to do is to be yoked with them. Now that's a totally different word. We're not talking about witnessing. Yoked there in the Greek literally means to be bound together with, okay? To have fellowship with. The idea is to have intimacy with these folks. And so why would Paul say don't have intimacy with these folks? Okay, witness, yes, but intimacy, yoking, well, because I think it's obvious, folks. It's like oil and water. It will never mix. I don't care how much you try to stir it up. You cannot mix a lie with God's holy truth. And this is serious stuff. Why would you even want to go there and play with that? 
This is eternal. It's not like, well, you're just one of those beef promoters. I still eat evil. <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about. And we're not talking about just that. We're talking about serious. This is eternity on the line. You get heaven wrong, where are you going? You're going to hell. Okay, this is serious stuff. And that's why God wants us, if we're out there preaching, make sure you're preaching the truth. There's only one way to get there. And that's Paul's argument in the context. He says, hello. What, what, what do, do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What, what, what fellowship can light have with darkness? These people are preaching a false way to heaven. What are you doing? Okay, well, what harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Let me translate it for you in the reality of this pluralistic idea today. That we all just got to get along with everybody. How can we get along with those who believe that we ourselves are God? Or that we will burn in a mythical place called purgatory where we purge our own sins in order to get to heaven, which is denying the cross of Christ? How can we join hands with those who would have you and I believe that sin is just an illusion? Hell is only make-believe. And that heaven for some men will be to endlessly satisfy their lust with as many virgins as they want, which only happens after they kill a bunch of people who disagree with them. Supposed to join hands with those guys? How can we have unity with those claiming to be Christians, yet say we have to keep the sacraments in order to be saved? Or that Satan doesn't exist? Or that Christ's work on the cross is not secure? How can we have fellowship with those who would have you and I believe that Jesus is not God, but the archangel Michael, or worse yet, he's the spirit brother of Satan? Witness to him, yes, but how can we have intimacy with them? How can we bind ourselves together with these people and work together and get along? Read the scripture. God says, are you kidding me? Witness, yes, but you better listen when it comes to eternal matters, when it comes to the truth. Come out from among them and be ye separate. Why? Because all those paths lead to hell. And God wants us to be in love preaching the truth. Now, I said all that to get to this, according to the Bible. Just like with last week, we need to get reminded how are we supposed to treat those who come into the church who are completely guilty of sexual immorality and who do not want to change, have no intention on change. Yes, we love them, but we don't put up with it. There's a certain standard if you're going to claim to be a Christian. It's the same thing with this ecumenical movement. Yes, of course, we witness to these people, but we don't sit there and join hands with them. We don't yoke ourselves with them. Which means true born-again Christians cannot ever go along with this one world religion lie that all paths lead to heaven. Why? Because you just linked yourself with an entity that just called Jesus Christ a liar. How many guys would say it's probably not a good thing to do? Okay? And you just threw in your time, your treasure, your talents, your tongue, your existence here on earth with people who are leading people to hell. That's not what God wants, okay? And yet this is exactly what this ecumenical movement is doing, okay? Now you might think, well, that's an interesting thing. That's wild. The Bible says all religions are going to come together as one in the last days, but that's a long ways away, surely, right, Tom? Wrong answer. That's right, Tom, wrong answer. I want to show you today just how far it's progressed, not just in Europe, but here in America, even in the highest places. They're even building the facilities. Let's take a look at how far this idea that all religions can be merged into one has gone. In Berlin, they've now created what's called the House of One, as we sit here, at a cost of $60 million for Christians, Muslims, and Jews to what? Pray under one roof. This guy is supposed to be the Christian representative over there. Pastor Gregor Holberg says, from the beginning, we wanted it to be an interreligious project. Now, we saw before, anytime you see interfaith, interfaithism, multi-faith, interfaith, supplant it for what it is. When you see that in print, in the media, wherever, it means one world religion. 
inter-religious project, not a place built by Christians in which the Jews and Muslims would then be added, no, but for all three religions to have equal prayer space on the same floor, with each floor leading to a common room where the different religions would be able to converse with each other. Here's their promo video. Check this out. We have inherited a large house, a great world house, said Martin Luther King. We all inhabit this world house, our earth. We see that the world is growing together and that we have to learn to live with each other. Increasingly, religions are colliding as strangers, as friends, often also as rivals or enemies. For this reason, Jews, Christians and Muslims have come together in Berlin to dare to attempt something new. We want to build a completely new sacred building, a synagogue, a church and a mosque under the same roof and at its center a meeting place. The House of One. It shall be located in the heart of Berlin, in the place where the city was founded 800 years ago. It shall be a unique, peaceful place for encounters, meetings and exchanges between people from different religions and also for those who are removed from religion. Everyone is invited to come. Every interest, every question, every support is welcome. With every peaceful dialogue and every good wish, the cloud of blessing will grow. One earth, one mankind, one home. The house of one. Isn't that wild? 2,000 years ago, the Apostle John said, hey, they're all going to come together and the high Antichrist is going to hijack it. Then he's going to go into the temple halfway in the seven-year tribulation. Say, I'm God, worship me. They're building the facilities for it as we sit here. Okay, but that's not what they're doing is they're starting with the youth. And they're coming into the church to this outfit called the World Council of Churches. Now, just because it has the word church in it doesn't make a Christian. Hello. This is a big sewer pit with all due respect. And they're sucking the church in to go along with this one world religion. But they are doing these groups around the world, and it's all centered around global warming, which is a lie. Okay? But here's what they're doing. Uh, the World Council of Churches with the Christian, Muslim, Jewish youth have formed multi, and this is what they're doing all over the world right now, forming multi-faith communities to, quote, protect the earth. Because that's an issue that's a concern for all faiths. I'll give you a couple of examples. This guy on the left there, Tariq Abdul Akbar, he's a 21-year-old Muslim, said, people of all faiths must put aside their religious differences and come together to raise awareness about what? Climate change. That affects all people. So we need to get the world's religions to help that. Mark Edwards, he's the guy on the right who's supposed to be the Christian representative from Sri Lanka. He said, the responsibility to respect creation is common to what? All faiths. Earth is a gift to us all, and we are responsible for its well-being. And then the girl in the middle there, she's a Jewish woman, said, living in a multi-faith community is an eye-opener. Our visit to a synagogue, a church, and a mosque in Switzerland moved me so much that, quote, I realize we all believe in God and we're all part of humanity. See, that's what it's become generalized to. Like, how many times do you meet somebody, oh, I believe in God. Doesn't mean you're saved. The demons believe in God, James chapter 2, and they shudder. They're not going to heaven. There's much more than it means than to just believe on Jesus Christ. It's not like he's a historical figure. It's to believe on his work on the cross, that his work on the cross is sufficient payment for all of our sins, etc., etc. But it's also coming here to America. You think, well, that's just over in Europe. Uh-uh. This blew me away. Listen to this. They got right here in America, in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places. It's called the Tri-Faith Initiative. It's combining Christians, Jews, and Muslims into, here's your word, interfaith dialogue, as well as an interfaith facility. This is in the United States. 
There's an overlay of it. It's a multi-million dollar effort to bring all three religions onto a 35-acre campus. That's it right over there, overlaid on an actual map. That thing is huge. But all three religions are going to be gathered together on this campus. The city religious leaders say, quote, we want to form a relationship between all Jews, all Muslims, and all Christians. It's an opportunity not only to learn to tolerate different faiths, but to find ways to celebrate all we have in common and join with those who call God by different names. What did Paul say to do? Yes, witness to these people, but what do you not do? You don't do this. Excuse me? I don't think so, but it's happening right now. Uh, but that's right, just in case you don't live anywhere near Berlin or Omaha, again, they're starting with the youth, and this generation coming up, which is almost in power, this is all they've ever known. And in, in school, in high school in uh, Colorado, kids right now in Colorado are being encouraged to recite a pledge in Arabic stating one nation under Allah. Check it out, it's happening right now. In New York, kids are now observing Muslim New Year holidays and possibly soon the Hindu festival Diwali in New York. In California, school kids are now bowing down to the sun god as a part of, quote, liturgical ritual religious practices aimed at having them become one with God through yoga. You know what's ironic? Our text there says, do not be yoked with unbelievers, right? As we saw before, the word yoga in Hindu means to be yoked. Yoked. And when you practice yoga and go into these uh, uh, physical exercises, there are actually ways to get into an altered state of consciousness to yoke you with the Hindu deity. And now it's being taught in school. Absolutely crazy. The founder, this lady, uh, says she wants to, quote, spread the gospel of Ashtanga yoga through the country and even internationally, and yet she's able to do it in the schools. I thought you weren't supposed to have religion in the schools. And that's exactly it, Tom. What that phrase means, folks, when they say keep religion out, it's keeping evangelical biblical christianity out the fake phony christian stuff who goes along with this stuff oh yeah but it really means just keep christianity out it's also in our government recently the dalai lama was allowed to open senate meetings with a prayer senators bowed their heads in prayer as dalai lama prayed quote with our thoughts we make our world no you don't you're not god only god uh, can do that and speaking of congress an interfaith school for military chaplains has been dedicated Priests, rabbis, imams, and Protestant ministers came together to de dedicate themselves and the nation's first joint military multi-faith educational center. And if that wasn't enough, our president apparently continues to go around the country and around the world stating that we are no longer a Christian nation. Let's take a look at that. And moreover, given the increasing diversity of America's populations, the dangers of sectarianism are greater than ever. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation, at least not just. We are also a Jewish nation, a Muslim nation, and a Buddhist nation, and a Hindu nation, and a nation of non-believers. I'm going to play this little clip, James. This is what the president said earlier today in Turkey, uh, a Muslim country, a NATO ally. You know, I've said before uh, that one of the great strengths of the United States is, uh, although as I mentioned, uh, you know, we have a very large Christian population. We do not consider ourselves a Christian nation or a Jewish nation or a Muslim nation. Uh, we consider ourselves uh, a nation of citizens who are uh, bound by ideals and a set of values. And even if we did have only Christians in our midst, if we expelled every non-Christian from the United States of America, whose Christianity would we teach in the schools? Would it be James Dobson's or Al Sharpton's?
which passages of scripture should guide our public policy? Should we go with uh, Leviticus, which uh, suggests slavery is okay, and that eating uh, shellfish is an abomination? Or we could go uh, with uh, Deuteronomy, which suggests stoning your child if he strays from the faith? Or should we just stick to the Sermon on the Mount, a passage that is so radical that it's doubtful that our own Defense Department would survive its application? We... It's called mocking the Scriptures what that is. So if we were now going around all over the place, uh, with all due respect, reducing us to just now a nation of citizens who follow a group of ideals, based on that, I would say the Christian ideals are not the ideals you're going to promote. Right? And that's why one guy said this. He said, with comments like this, is it now any wonder that we now have schools in America teaching our kids the Muslim religion? Here's a sampling of what is now being allowed in school. Remember, can't teach evangelical biblical Christianity but here's what our kids are being taught right now in schools across America. They are learning to become a Muslim. They are fasting for Ramadan. This is in schools. They are learning all about Ramadan. They are learning the five pillars of Islam. They are memorizing verses of the Quran. You can't bring a Bible to school. You can't mention the name of Jesus. You can't even say, God bless you, but you can memorize verses from the Quran. What is going on, folks? They're also in school learning to adopt a Muslim name. And they are learning to stage a jihad war against non-Muslims. That's not what I would send my kid to school for. Why is that being allowed, folks? Okay, as one guy said, apparently the president has overlooked his Christian obligation and duty that he swore in public office to uphold the Constitution of the United States of America with his hand on the Christian Bible that states, you shall have no other gods before me. But now we've just become a nation of citizens who follow ideals. See, that's the problem. You get away from the foundation, who makes up the ideal? And that's where we're at. Okay? But folks, you start to look at all this, and that's just a little teaser. I would say it really appears to me that right now, even at the highest of places, uh, places it's being encouraged right now for all religions to be merged and squished together into one right before our very eyes. That was prophesied, folks, 2,000 years ago. Now, here, here's the problem. Here's the rub. As we saw earlier, if you follow the scripture as you should as a true born-again Christian, what is one thing we can never go along with? This, right? So now you got a problem. What are you going to do with these resistors? Well, it's just like we saw last week. you got your second excuse now with public approval to start hauling these people away. We're in stage two, and now they're starting to call you and I who would have the audacity, they say, to be so exclusive. Who are you thinking that your way is the only way? Have you heard that? I didn't make it up. That's Jesus. He said it, right? And I don't recommend you call him a religious bigot, by the way. But I didn't make it up. He said it, okay? But now they're saying you and I, we not only have the audacity to disagree on this behavioral issue, as we saw last week, but we have the audacity to disagree on this spiritual issue. Who makes you think that you have the corner on the truth? Blah, blah, blah. And now we're being called the bad guy. We're being called the same terminology that they've been saying to the Muslim terrorists that everybody says, yeah, get rid of those people, annihilate get rid of them. Right-wing fundamentalist extremists. That word, those words that were used on the Muslim terrorists are being used on you and I, the evangelical Christian now. Now, it's the excuse, I believe, that is going to prepare the way for the Antichrist to have another slaughter. And the Bible says... 
clearly during the seven-year tribulation that those who are followers of God, who get saved after the rapture, they're going to be slaughtered because they won't go along with this one-world religion. This is what Revelation chapter 6 says, verse 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of what? The Word of God wouldn't budge from the Bible. Okay, and the testimony they had maintained. Jesus is the only way. So what happened? They called out in a loud voice, How long, sovereign Lord, holy and true, until you judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge our what? Blood. Then each of them was given a white robe, and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. Okay? So this is an event that takes place during the first half of the seven-year tribulation. This is when this is going on. And it would appear to me that those who get saved after the rapture, unfortunately, what's the lesson? You should have got saved before. But you can still get saved. The gospel still goes forth. We talked about that last week, okay? But it's not going to be a good time. You're not going to have the religious freedom that we have today. And to me, the words there, being slain, killed, and your blood being avenged for following God, kind of give it away. Okay? Is what's going on there, okay? And, and, and again, you should have gotten saved before, but now you're going to pay with it for a price. There's actually going to come a time when the Antichrist kingdom, when these people during the seven-year tribulation, because you have the audacity to disagree with their global religion, they're going to hunt you down, and they're going to exterminate you. Literally, till it's like a bloodbath. How will God avenge our blood? That's not a fun time, right? So the question for you and I is, how close are we getting to this stage two? Right now we're at stage one. We're being called haters. Wait a second. Are you serious? Are you serious? You mean to tell me that if I disagree now with another religion, if I, have, if I say that your path does not lead uh, to heaven but sends people to hell, I'm a hater now? Yeah, it's already happening. Just like we saw last week. Disagreeing with a one world religion is now also a hate crime. Let's take a look at that. The row over a pastor's comments about Muslims just keeps on growing. James McConnell was strongly criticised for saying he does not trust Muslims. But the First Minister, Peter Robinson, has now defended him. Now, people say there are good Muslims in Britain. That may be so. But I don't trust them. Enoch Powell was right. And he lost his career because of it. Enoch Powell was a prophet. And he told us that blood would flow in the streets, and it has happened. Islam is heathen. Islam is satanic. Islam is a doctrine spawned in hell. Well, Khalid uh, Anis, you've come all the way over um, this evening um, from across the water. What's your reaction to what the First Minister has said? Um, I think it's disgraceful, quite honestly. I think it's shocking that um, somebody in a position of leadership, in a position of influence, somebody that everybody in Northern Ireland, and I would imagine in the mainland, looks up to for guidance, for leadership, can utter a statement which is full of hate. So if I speak up in love and I declare God's word that says Jesus is the only way to heaven, all other ways are false and they lead to hell. It's what? A message of hate. These, I believe, are the two excuses. Last week it was the moral issue, the homosexual issue. It's a hate crime. Get rid of them. 
This week, it's a spiritual issue. This pluralism, all paths lead to heaven. If you dare disagree, who, who, what audacity you have to say your way is the only way. You're a hater. And they're going to use this also as the double excuse to now start getting rid of you and I. Now, I want to show you just how far we're already into that second stage. They're not already calling us haters, but now they're wanting to exterminate those who do not go along with this program. Let's take a look at how bad it's getting out there. Uh, First of all, right now, there's over 250 million Christians right now worldwide under the threat of persecution. Right now, our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are being beaten, tortured, and imprisoned, and murdered. Why? Because they will not go along with the ecumenical movement that is promoting this one world religion. In fact, in one year alone, 310,000 Christians were slaughtered. Why didn't that make the news? Okay? Unless, of course, you want to get rid of them. And more Christians have died for their faith in the last century alone than the previous 19 centuries combined. It's coming back, just like Jesus warned about. Let's take a look. North Korea right now is the worst country on the planet to be a Christian because being a Christian is a behavior that is punishable by death or life in prison. There's an estimated 70,000 Christians in prison camps there, just like the Jews in Nazi Germany. It's being repeated on Christians today. And it's, listen, it's not just a sentence for the individual believer. Listen, you're a Christian over there, you get punished for three generations of your family. That's your parents, their children, and their grandchildren. In fact, last year, North Korea passed a law that says even possessing a Bible is punishable by death. It's going on right now. In Syria, they're using the current war as an excuse to get rid of Christians in the country. Annihilation, genocide. There's forced conversions or killings by those who do not convert to Islam. 41 of the top 50 countries persecuting our brothers and sisters in Christ right now are Muslim. And you're teaching them how to be a Muslim in our schools? How about stick to math? Okay? Thousands of Christians right now are being slaughtered for their faith in India, Burma, Nigeria, Afghanistan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, Turkey, Balar, Sudan, on and on it goes. I don't have time to list all the countries. In fact, Christians are being persecuted right now so bad their assailants, listen, are killing them, draining their blood, selling the blood for profit to get more weapons or a quick fix to get entrance into heaven. Don't believe me? Watch this. Okay, now, these reports about seeing the blood being sold. Tell me about that. You said, do you, what, what is that about? Okay. Uh, and since 2005, I hear about the, the, the persecution of the Christian in the Middle East because I'm by self-refugee. I know what is persecution. What you do with the Christian is okay. It's halal. You can rape the girls. You can rob the, the fruits. You can uh, kill them. It's everything there is for them allowed to do with the Christian. And this blood, they are selling them. How I came to know that they are selling them, the relative, they didn't tell me they sell the blood, but I was not known from this case. I know that from my own home, how I was a child, the Muslim was talking, if we kill one Christian and wash our hand with his blood, we will go to the heaven. This, this hand, which one are with the blood of the Christians washed, they will be like, touch, show the way to go to heaven. They believe in that. That I know that. What are you doing with this blood, which one you are collecting with these cans? And he said, oh, sister, that is a big business. What? Business with the blood? I was hearing, but I was not known they sell the blood. Yeah, so small bottle, we are sending for our, we are sending for our friends in Saudi Arabia, which one they don't have, they cannot kill now, or nobody's there to kill them, to bring offer to our Allah, 
Each small bottle, it costs $100,000. We make big business. For that, we can buy more guns and other things. Now, folks, that's not only sick, but if you understand Bible prophecy, very interesting behavior there, selling Christian blood. The Bible says specifically, the one world religion harlot in the last days, of all things to mention there, 2,000 years ago, this one world religion is going to be drunk with the blood of the saints. This is what we see in Revelation 17, verse 6. I saw that the woman, the one world religion harlot, Babylon, was drunk with the blood of the saints. The blood of those who what? Specifically who what? Bore the testimony to Jesus. And when I saw her, I was greatly astonished. And I'm greatly astonished today. How about you? That this is actually going on, hello, in our world. That's during the seven-year tribulation. And apparently that's why this new research uh, center uh, shared this, quote, Christians and Christianity are now the most persecuted religion on the planet. Quote, a Christian is killed right now as we sit here every 11 minutes. That Christian persecution is, quote, turning into Christian extinction. And, quote, it's the biggest story in the world that has never been told. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but uh, maybe this kid, I'm about to share a picture of you, Will. This is a proposed picture from a kid in Syria who died over there, okay? And reportedly, this picture was taken just before he died. And before he died, here's what he said. I'm going to tell God everything. And the text in Revelation says, Oh God, how long, sovereign, holy, and true, before you avenge our blood of what they are doing to your people. Okay? And it's coming to America. One evangelist said, Listen, hey, the fate of Christianity in the U.S. is not far from what's already happening to Christianity in Europe. He cites the reason why. Number one, the church over here in America is sleeping and dying out. Number two, homosexuals are stamping out Christianity in the Bible. That's what happened over there. It's already here. Atheism is not being invaded, just denounced. Oh, you're just wrong. And give no evidence for that. Hello, that doesn't help. Okay? People need to be reached, which also leads to the role of apologetics as being downplayed to reach the skeptics. Why do you think we're doing our studies on Wednesday night? We need to get equipped to not just say, your way is the wrong way. In love, here's why. Because we're not giving those answers. It makes us look like we're a bunch of intolerant bigots. Okay? And he said, because the people continue to think it could never happen here in the U.S. That's why it's progressing, and it's already begun. I don't have time to give you the whole story, but here's just headlines, recent headlines. Christian songs are being disqualified from the Oscars simply because they're Christians. Hollywood's portraying you and I Christians as dangerous terrorists in the movies. Bibles are being banned right now in America from hotels. Home Bible studies are being declared illegal. The IRS is targeting conservative Christian groups. Amazon and PayPal are being pushed to blacklist conservative Christian websites. You can't buy and sell. Never heard that before. Uh, continues on. Police are investigating a church that had a poster. There was their church sign out front, I believe, that said non-believers would burn in hell. It was turned in by a guy driving by as a what? Hate incident. Police went there to investigate. Uh, troops are being banned from attending vacation Bible school. Teachers are telling students Jesus is not allowed in school. Colleges are rejecting applications from Christians because of their faith. Uh, schools are banning Christian clubs. And listen, schools are banning books from Christian authors. And wait a second. If you know your history, that's pretty creepy because that's exactly what Adolf Hitler did with the Jewish people. In fact, let me give you a little history lesson. Here is in chronological order how he pulled off his final solution to the Jewish people. First, he started with public burning of books by Jews. They're doing that in schools right now to Christians. Right? Then he had random attacks on Jews and Jewish property. That's starting to take place. People are starting to desecrate Christian churches. Police and courts no longer protect the Jews. Our rights are going out the window, are they not? Uh, boycotts of Jewish shops. 
boycotting Chick-fil-A recently? Anybody heard of that? All this is happening to us. Supplant the word Jewish to Christian, and this is what's going on in our country. Jewish uh, practices were banned. Jewish students excluded from exams in medicine, dentistry, pharmacy, and law. They're already being banned from schools because they're Christians in America. The Jews were excluded from military service. The laws were denied to Jews, their basic civil rights. Jews were no longer allowed to vote, and they lost their citizenship in Germany. Jews banned from parks, restaurants, and swimming pools. Remember last week, Nanaimo in Canada? They voted to ban Christians from public places. Even this is already happening, folks. Jews banned from communication devices and transportation. They were given special identity cards. Uh, the Jews were then arrested, and then all schools were closed to Jewish ch children, and then they were sent off to the death camp. You supplant that word, Jewish people, with evangelical, biblical Christianity, and it's the same path here in our country, which is why one guy said this, it's coming here fast, and you better get ready. Let's take a look. The church in America is going to suffer so terribly, and we laugh now, but they will come after us, and they will come after our children. They will close the net around us while we are playing soccer mom and soccer dad, while we are arguing over so many little things and mesmerized by so many trinkets. The net even now is closing around you and your children and your grandchildren, and it does not cause you to fear. You will be isolated from society as has already happened. Anyone who tries to run for office who actually believes the Bible will be considered a lunatic until finally we are silenced. We will be called things that we're not and persecuted not for being followers of Christ but for being radical fundamentalists who do not know the true way of Christ which of course is love and tolerance. You'll go down as the greatest bigots and haters of mankind in history. They've already come after your children and for most of you they got them. They got them through the public schools and indoctrination in the university and indoctrination and then you wonder why your children come out not serving the Lord. It's because you fed them right into the devil's mouth. So little by little the net is closing around and then it's not little by little. Look how fast things are going downhill just in a matter of weeks. Matter of weeks. But at the same time know this. Persecution is always meant for evil but God always means it for good and is it not better to suffer in this life to have an extra weight of glory in heaven you must settle this in your mind this is the one thing I want to say over and over do not believe down through history you have a wrong idea of martyrdom and persecution you think that these men were persecuted and martyred for their sincere faith in Jesus Christ that was the real reason but no one heard that publicly they were martyred and they were persecuted as enemies of the state as child molesters as bigots as narrow-minded, stupid people who had fallen for a ruse and can contribute nothing to society. Your suffering will not be noble. So your mind must be filled with the Word of God when all people persecute you and turn on you. And if the Spirit of God and common grace pulls back and you see even your children and your grandchildren tossing in the lot that you should die. This is no game. You want revival and awakening, but know this. 
For the most part, great awakenings have come only preceding great national catastrophes or the persecution of the church. I believe God is bringing a great awakening, but I believe that He is raising up young men who are strong in trust in the providence of God to be able to wade through the hell that's going to break loose on us. And it will be on us before we even recognize it. Unless, unless in God's providence, He is not done. He is not done. Now note, this is, this is not silly talk. Apart from a great awakening, these things are going to come upon you. Be ready to lose your homes, your cars, and everything. Sounds like we need to be speaking up while we have the freedom. Sounds like we need to start taking this pretty serious. And doing the best we can with what time we have. I was trained in seminary, Dr. Malkow. Apostasy's coming, he'd always say. Me personally, I'm going down with one arm swinging and the Bible in the air. Folks, we need to speak up. And I'll quote what he said. This is not silly talk. This is happening to us, the Christian, in the last day. So what we need to do today, we need to take all this information, run out of here screaming like little girls, and lock our doors. Thank you. Wrong answer. Are you kidding me? Frame this baby, man. What Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, what's the good news? <laughs> we're going home, man. This is getting close. Everything's happening. The one world religion is being built before our very eyes, even here in America. And they're specifically going after those who won't budge from the truth that Jesus is the only way. He's coming back. And so as we wait for his return to come get us and rescue us from the seven-year tribulation, let's get busy. Keep telling people about Jesus. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's going to get harder. But this is the last time that we need to shrink back in fear. I'll use this term. It's not a time to go AWOL. We're soldiers for Jesus Christ. We're the winners. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he expects us to hold the line and tell the truth. That's our response. But if you're here today, man, this ain't a joke. This one more religion, it's a lie. Jesus Christ, you just saw it. If you were here with your own eyes, he's the only way to heaven. Oh, that other stuff, it feels good, sounds nice, tickles your ears, but it leads you straight to hell. I'm not saying that we, the church, are going to get out of here. I don't know God's time frame without facing genuine persecution even here in America. I don't know that. But praise God, the scripture is clear. We are not appointed unto his wrath. We can be rescued from that. You can be rescued from that. But it calls upon, calling upon Jesus Christ, asking him to forgive your sin, trusting in his work on the cross, not your own. That's the only way to heaven. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not 
the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God, and you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says, we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing 
and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that? right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh, uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.